I was about to say, boy, did I feel that last one, except I do have a pretty clean kid, so that's good news, okay? No, I mean the, the one. <laughs> I have another one, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. This is what today's going to feel like, everyone. <laughs> Well, today we are glad to be with you. Now, I feel like every time I cook, someone comes through and they come in and open up chips and hummus or some kind of snack in the kitchen while I'm cooking. And I'm like, really? Really, people? Anyway, that's just one of those days. You know, mom life. Picking from what you've already made. I'm sorry? My favorite is picking from what you've already made. Yes, their fingers. I'll go. My family. <laughs> we were raised in a barn. I'm sorry, mom. No, we weren't. Sorry. Okay. Well, listen, today we are so glad to be with you. My name is Donya. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, um, I am the next-gen pastor here and uh, my husband's wife. I like him. And this is my mother, Pastor Kathy, and my daughter, Emma. And so today is very um, something that I really hoped for for a long time could happen, that we could be able to talk together because it's not very often that you get uh, to have this generational connection. So I'm really excited. This could go really, really good, and this could go really, really bad. <laughs> you know, and that just leads me to my first part of this point, is that um, today we're going to talk about influence. And we've all had mothers. Whether we're a mother in the room or not, we've all had one, okay? We've all heard that same heart that you heard in the video happen around the house. And so, um, you know, today we're going to talk and we're going to work through the Bible on stories of mothers. And we're going to brief over them really, really quick, okay? <sighs> if I can ever get started, right? We're going to brief over them really, really quick. But I wanted to show you that on your seats there are, there's a page that says influence. There are a group of women. Sometimes I am one that if I'm driving, I have to know where I'm going because I need to know when we are getting there. Okay? So this should help you kind of know how many are they going to talk about and how quickly we're going to go over it. But here at Life Church, we are really, um, we're really big on the Bible in case we don't know. Okay? And the Bible gives us these stories so that we can learn from them. What I'd love for you is I, uh, we wanted to give you the references so that if you go home and you're like, hey, I don't know that story. I want to look that one up. I want to dig a little deeper. You now have the tool to go in and take, uh, take a look at that. So that's why we wanted to provide you with that sheet of paper, okay? Um, we are definitely not going to go into too much depth here, but... We do believe in you going into depth on your own. That is the portion of, of our devotions throughout the week. So we're going to be pulling through that and talking about the effects that mothers have had on our lives. And some of, and, and honestly, okay, we look at the people in the Bible and we think they're automatically, because they're listed in the Bible, great people. But if you look a little deeper, you're going to find that there's some influences that have been really, really bad in some of the great women, and, and we're human. And that's the thing about us, whether, and we've had mothers that are human, and they make mistakes, and they're not perfect. And yet God still uses us for influence, and how we direct that is up to us, whether we're going to take that as good and constructive, or we're going to have a hard time with it, right? Yeah. But we find all these stories in the scripture. One of my favorite scriptures is taken from Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, and, and this is the New Living Translation. I want you to hear what it says. All scripture 
is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's supposed to be like a mirror. We look into it and we see the good and we see the not so good. Um, it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. So it's truth. Yeah, we look at uh, truth. That's, that's a funny thing. A lot of times these days, like, we talk about, oh, well, that's my truth. Uh, and a lot of times we'll talk about, you know, well, my truth is this. And a lot of times we know that truth fails us, right? So if we look in Genesis uh, at Eve, you know, we start off with this misleading conversation with Eve and the snake where she's just misled into thinking that her way and what God said not to do is the truth and what's right to do. And so we look at that and you're like, man, like, Eve chose herself over what God had said is good for her. And that influenced, um, and that truth produced in her son, Cain, choosing his own truth and deciding to commit what we see as, you know, the first homicide, proving, producing grief and heartbreak, right? We have this tendency to blame when uh, other people and blame other people in our lives or even God when our truth fails. And like, that's why God's truth is so important. Right. And that God's truth is the truth. Yeah, and later in Genesis, uh, Genesis 19, we talk about Lot's wife and her failure to trust God with her future. And she, she looks back and that leads to her ultimate destruction. Then her daughters see that and later choose to do the wrong thing, which you can read. <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's this huge idea that we see in this first part of the Bible where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do things my way and when God's way is ultimately better. You know, a lot of things we do as, as moms is, um, it's my way. Okay, I was, talking to, I was talking to a young man the other day, asking him what influence his mom has had on him. And he, um, he said, well, he said, the one thing I know about my mom is that she's always right. She was always right. And I said, yeah? He goes, yeah, no matter what it was, she was right. And I was like, Ooh. I read through so many lines on that whenever he was talking. But, you know, the thing that I, I came back to is I like, I was like, oh, I think my mom's way was always right, too. And then I was like, oh. But here's the deal is that <laughs> it's a difference of whether it's was my mom always right or was she always in line with the scripture. In our house, if you didn't prove it chapter and verse, it didn't matter. Okay? Your opinion didn't matter so much as if you could give us contextual truth of the word of God. And so when my mom got angry, she had a purpose. Okay? <laughs> she was going to back it up with the word and you were going to listen. So I just thought it was so funny whenever he was telling me about that. But I want to tell you tonight about a couple women we're going to breeze over who wanted to do it their way rather than God's way. Okay, and sometimes uh, we look at Rebecca, and Rebecca is upheld as a really great woman. And so, but in this, we have a couple stories there where Rebecca actually wanted to promote her own children, causing a competition between them. Okay, she chose favoritism over one son, right? Ultimately leading to deceiving her own husband for his favoritism to be blessed and be better. And sometimes as moms, we can do that. We want to believe the best 
over God's will for them. And we want to let God promote versus our own promotion of our children. And so there's another part in that. It, that was found, you know, that creates like this idea that mom can lie. And we've got to be careful to be honest when we do. You know, my son caught me one time in a lie. Happens. He caught me in a lie. One of the things I did whenever my kids did, like lacked integrity is I make them run laps. Okay? <laughs> so, yeah, you, you'll run laps. I'm not going to deal with that. 10 laps, 20 laps, 60 laps, whatever. My dad made me run laps too. So <laughs> I, I made him run laps for lying one day. Well, later on, they caught me saying something that wasn't exactly true. And I don't remember what it was because, of course, I'm human and I want to write that out of my head. But <laughs> he caught me. <laughs> I know, you know all my records. Anyway, he caught me and he, I, he said, Mom, are you going to run laps? And I went, oh. So you know what I did that day? Took him to football practice and the whole time his team was, run was running their plays, I was running laps <laughs> to show my son that, yeah, correction comes to us all. We have to not follow our own way. But we have to be willing to say, yep, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heed the correction as well. But I digress a little bit in that. I want to take you to Matthew 20, and it's, it's a story of a woman who really wanted to self-promote her kids too. I love my children. I will talk them up all day long. But another woman who tried to promote her, her own children was Salome. Okay, and I know that sounds like, did I say it wrong? Salome. Salami. I know, we think <laughs> no, lunch meat no, no, here. No, her, name, <laughs> her name is Salam. And she had the two boys, James and John. And they were following Jesus as one of his, as his disciples. And she goes to him, up to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, listen, when you come into the kingdom, when you become king, can you make sure there's a place for James and John on both sides of you? <laughs> I mean, the audacity, I think, that would have to take. But at the same time, it's what we want for our kids. We want you to be raised up. But guys, the best way is God's promotion versus our own. A couple other ladies that we find in scripture that I guess promote the, the concept of the day. They had a, a great spirit of competition. That was Leah and Rachel, two sisters, married to the same man. Not of, of the choice of Leah, but it happened. And as a result, uh, there is a, a contention between them as to who could prove they were the better. And you know, that spirit of competition led to jealousy. It led to the factor of, of bitterness. And you know, they were the mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 sons were there, right? What did we see come down in the line of that? There, this women's influence on them produced that same competition, that same bitterness, that same being one better than the other. And, and that's something that we're not supposed to have. We're supposed to lay that concept of competition. And yet today, isn't that everything we see in our world? Everything is competition. Put down somebody else so you can raise yourself up. But the real com competing that we as people should have is competing for the pleasure of God. Amen. And that takes other people with us, doesn't it? So there's an aspect of encouragement and, and seeing the best in other people, not trying to be better than that God was looking for. 
And, and then uh, these two ladies, I think that they are people that benefit us in seeing that so that we're not going in that same direction. It was something that we put down in our children's lives. We did not want them to be competing, although sometimes. <laughs> It seems like that seemed to be very characteristic, especially of the two younger ones, which you know. <laughs> she says she's not competitive. <laughs> well, yes, that competition can get us. And you know, sometimes, again, I got the fun, I, I got the tough women to talk about. Um, somehow, <laughs> they got all the nice women, or I got the tough ones. I'm gonna talk to you. Uh, and bring in another woman who really didn't do well by her attitude, her competitiveness, her wanting promotion. And these women went into a place where they actually became narcissists and feminists. Um, narcissist is a very, it's a broad word we use a lot today just to put somebody's influence down. And we have to be careful when we use that word. Um, because it's important for us to be, just be cautious with that. But this woman was definitely a narcissist in the Bible, where we can learn from her, and it was Jezebel. Jezebel was married to Ahab, she was the queen, and she was, uh, she influenced her daughter. She was constantly trying to usurp her husband's authority, okay, and she was not in any way a woman who wanted to see her family be who they should be, but she wanted self-gain, and she produced a daughter that had self-gain. And that daughter was um, Athaliah. Did I say it right now, you Mom? Right. Okay, Athaliah, okay? And Athaliah did not need a man. In fact, she was going to make sure that she had a, she had a husband, but she just wanted to make sure that she was the top. In fact, when her husband, uh, and when her husband died, son, her, son died. her son died. I'm sorry. Her son. Thank she had you. a husband, though. What happened to him? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> Study that. See? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, yeah. Athaliah <laughs> had a son who was the king, and the king's son had sons, and, and, and the king had sons and whatnot. Well, when Athaliah's son died, she decided, this is my moment, I'm gonna seize the throne. And how she does that is she decides that she's going to have all of her grandsons on the line of David killed, okay? And she goes through and she kills all her grandsons, except one. One got snuck away and, ta and, 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 and saved, and that one is Josiah that we see later that comes back, but Athaliah was so hungry for her own power. She wanted to be queen. She wanted to have that power. That she took out everything that was in her way, even down to her own blood, and destroying what God had set up as King David's line. Was trying to do better than God. And we have to be so careful that we stay in line with God. And you see again in the New Testament where and by the way, Josiah comes back and he reorders the, the house of the Lord. So we'll let's just there. make sure we get there. We'll get okay. there. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, man. I have to not steal her notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other person we're going to talk about is in the New Testament, Herodias. And Herodias was married to Herod. <coughs> and she was another queen who came along and used her daughter for her own gain. 
Okay, and sometimes we want to self-promote ourselves by using our kids and live vicariously through them, okay? And Herodias comes through, and she goes, um, and she wants to take, uh, take authority of, what's his name? John the Baptist, okay? She does not like John. He told her that she was doing wrong. She didn't like that, so she was off with his head kind of queen, okay? And the only way she could get him off with his head was by placing her daughter in front of everyone in a very inappropriate and, and sensual way to change his mind and get him to take the head of the one who would prepare the way for Christ. So there's some tough women in there. There's tough ones. But there's good ones. There are. Okay. And I get them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Jochebed, that was the mother of Moses. And you know, it was at a time when babies were being killed. The Israelite babies were being killed. And they were being thrown into the river. And she saw, she had a baby, this Moses, and she looked at him and she just knew there was just something special about this child. And she was going to do everything in her power to hide him. Well, you don't hide a baby very long. They get noisy. And, <laughs> and as a result, she knew that the time had come to an end that she could protect him. And so she made a little basket and she put pitch in it so that it'd be waterproof and, and she put Moses in that basket and she put him among the bulrushes. Now some people have always thought that she just put him out in the river. No, she put him among the bulrushes and it was a place where there was ceremonial bathing. And who should come but the daughter of Pharaoh to discover. But this woman did not operate out of her fear. She operated out of her faith in God's integrity. Yeah. And she was able to put that child, I can't imagine doing something like this, but put that child into a basket, not being able to control what was going to happen, and, and give it into God's hand and believe God for his future. Boy, do we need to do that as moms. Yeah. Because yeah. there are times when we can only go so far we can't do anything more. We have to put it into God's hand and trust that he will do the right thing and he'll make a way for our child. Another person was Hannah. And Hannah was a woman who suffered with infertility, but she never gave up. <laughs> she kept praying and seeking the face of God. And as a result, she even made a promise to God that would actually influence what her unborn child would become. Boy, that's really something. Praying for a specific thing for your unborn child, not, in a sense, not giving them a, a freedom of will. And yet that was the mind of God for this child. If you give me a son, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give that child back to you. And you know, at probably the age of three, she gave that child to the priest to raise. And here she was. I can't imagine that either, of just handing your child over and losing all control over that child, all ability to really direct it. But she had something that she knew was more powerful than her own presence, and that was prayer. You know, my kids used to say they worried when dad yelled, but they worried more if mom prayed. And so <laughs> there's... There's power in prayer, and you know, once a year she would go up to the temple and she would, or to the uh, tabernacle, and she would take a little coat that she had made, 
I bet you, I bet you every stitch that she had in that was bathed in prayer. And when he wore it, he was bathed in her prayers for his protection and for his understanding. You know, when our children were growing, I I still love that old art called ironing. And ironing? Oh, ironing. Ironing. You say it that way too, don't. (laughs) You say iron. Iron. It's ironing. 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 Okay. (laughs) Can I go on? Come on, please. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) These girls make it hard on me. Anyway, whenever. Runs in the family. they, They went to a Christian school. So one of the things, they had little uniforms. So everything had to be ironed and everything had to be perfect. And as I ironed, I prayed. And you know, I've never stopped doing that. I prayed over the pieces of clothing that I was ironing for my children. Because as they went out, they went out with my prayers and and my prayers for their protection and for their blessing and for their guidance. Wow, so that's actually so cool because when I was ironing your Christmas gift and my grandparents' Christmas gifts, I was making them shirts and everything. I prayed the whole time also that I wouldn't burn my hand. But that's... (laughs) 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 And that you would actually like it. (laughs) Not the same. (laughs) Okay. Go on, Amber. So we go from talking about prayer and these prayer warriors for women, and then we look at their leadership. I look back at Naomi and Ruth. It's one of my favorite stories of just this this mother, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship where Ruth saw Naomi's character in the face of such hardship and loss, where Ruth felt so like impacted and influenced to just drop everything, not go home to her own mom, not not just even go home to where it's familiar to her, to go to a whole other coffee, where, er, coffee, I need coffee, country. <laughs> To go to a whole other country and follow a God she didn't know herself. All because of Naomi's strength in that time of depression and grieving. I think it's such an admirable thing to see a daughter-in-law follow a mother like that. A mother-in-law like that. That's right. That's right. I pray for your mother-in-law all the time. Me too. <laughs> Well, now I get to talk about two women who did not relent. One thing is, is that I am, I am a passionate person in that I will keep coming after you and after you and after you. So these ones really strike with me. Um, and I love the relentless love of our God. And I see that in these two women here. First in Mark, we have the Seraphonician woman. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Seraphonician woman. Okay, or Syrophoenician woman, I don't know. She was from Cuman, I can't talk. Canaan, thank you, but she gets this long name. Anyway, what was the deal with her is that she followed God, uh, she followed Jesus everywhere, okay, in this one story. She is hounding, literally, Jesus right behind him because she's coming at him with a need, and her need is for her daughter's life. And she's coming after him like a dog. In fact, he kind of says that to her, all right? And he calls her a dog because she's coming after him like one. I love dogs, and I have them all the time around me. And my dog, Liberty, she will literally, while I'm eating every single time, put her head right on your leg 
and wait for you to please give her something. Big eyes staring at you, whatever she can do to get what she's wanting, okay? She just loves food, okay? Um, and, and liberty is there, but, but I think of that when I think of this woman, this Syrophoenician woman, follows Jesus so much so, and she even says to him, Lord, even the dog gets the droppings from the master's table. I will follow you to please hear me and heal my daughter. That's relentless love. And we see it in the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories of the Shunammite woman who created this place for the prophet Elisha, and he felt so honored that she created a place for him to stay that he asks her what she wants. She says, and, and, and he looks at her, he goes, oh, you don't even have to tell me. I know what you want. You want a child. And she couldn't have one. And he blesses, he blesses over her, and the Lord blesses her with a child. Well, later, later years down the line for that little boy, he, he grows faint and dies. And she was like, wait a second. I, I'm not okay with this. I'm coming after you. Elisha, you gave me this child by the Lord as a promise to me. And so I'm coming back to you for this child. So much so that she finds him, hunts him down, and gets to his ankles and holds on. And she says, I will not let go till you meet my need. I will be relentless for my child because I know their purpose. And so you see these women who follow relentless love until they get what they need for their children. And then there are women that didn't have children that we know of. And you know, so many times we look at, at the fact of, well, you know, this is great. You guys are talking about mothers and the influence of mothers and so on, but I don't, I don't have children. And I went through the scriptures and I found three ladies that really have some things to say to us. And ladies who were not put down because they did not necessarily have children, at least that are not mentioned in scriptures. And one of those ladies was Deborah. And I, I think this lady's unique. She is a, a government leader. <laughs> She's a national leader. She is actually a judge in Israel, which was kind of unheard of for a woman today. And she was someone that so, had so much influence in her nation that even the captain of the army would come to her for direction as to how they were to go out to battle. In fact, he got so hanging on to her that he said, I'm not even going out to battle unless you come along. And this lady went. And so do you know that the scripture says that she calls herself something? She calls herself a mother in Israel. She became the mother of a nation because she cared about what was happening in the political scene and among the enemies of God. And so she was a lady that, that God picked up and used in a mighty way, concerned for her nation. And we ladies, I don't care where you are, we need to be concerned for our nation and praying and holding it before the Lord. And then there was, an, uh, during the time of Josiah that Donya made mention of, this was a, thanks. She, <laughs> this was a lady that, there was a lady there that was very unique. Uh, 
they were, they were restoring the temple because they had gotten into idol worship and so on. Oh, they still were having some type of worship, but it was not what it should be. And they're, so they're restoring, cleaning the temple. Guess what they found in the temple? The word of God. Really? The Nobody word of God. The they found it in the <laughs> temple. Cool. They weren't. They, <laughs> they weren't. They weren't using it. You mean you can be in the te- in the house of God and not use the word? Absolutely. Doesn't happen in Life Church, though. That's right, amen. We use the word, and so they found this and they brought it to the king and the priests and the scribes. Now, what was the scribe supposed to do? He was supposed to write out the word of God, right? Write it over and over. And and so what happened? They brought it to the king and they began to read it. This priest wasn't even able to really interpret the mind of God to the people. They ended up taking it to a woman. Her name was Hulda. 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 And she, she was a prophetess. And she was someone who explained to the king, explained to the priest, explained to the scribes what the word of God was and the intent of God. And I think, wow. This, and it doesn't say she ever had children. We do know she was married, but it doesn't say she had children. And then there's another lady that I thought was really interesting too. And her name, don't you laugh. Her name was, was Tabitha or Dorcas. <laughs> Emma thinks that's just the worst name. I think she is an amazing woman and I really look up to her. But what was, <laughs> what was interesting about this lady, it doesn't say she had any children, doesn't say she had a husband. But this woman was just full of, of, of good works. And she would make coats and, and clothing for people that didn't have it. She would, she would take care of the poor. She was just an amazing woman. You know, one of the things when our children all left, we lost all four of them in five years. They went to Bible college, they met their mates, and they were gone into ministry. And I, I was feeling empty nested. And, and so I, I said to the Lord, I don't like this. And, and he spoke to my heart and he said, are your kids any more important than anybody else's kids? Yeah. And I said, well, to me they are. <laughs> and he said, I want you to fill your life with other people's kids. Yeah. And that didn't yeah. necessarily mean the kids my children's age, but other people. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that Tabitha did was she filled her life with other people meeting their physical needs. And as she did that, she got sick and died. Well, that doesn't sound like a great reward, does it? But what was really really interesting (laughs) is that they called for Peter. And when Peter came, it was God's, God's idea to raise this woman from the dead to put her back to be the influence that she was. I think her story is so interesting as I was studying for this this week. Like hers really stuck out to me as not a mother yet, uh, not even close. And I just think it's so amazing to see that her community and the the fact that she had poured into these people so much Mm -hmm. that they like, they were like, we can't live without her. We need her. And so like, I can only pray for a heart like that just to be able to pour into my community and to my friends and to people around me um, to where, you know, I have that, you know, that gift that she has. 
it says that she's just, she was just an incredible woman of God. And I just, I can only hope for that. Um, I think as, you know, women, any woman, we should really want that. Um, two other women that have special instruction from God as to how their children should be raised. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. But Elizabeth in Luke 15 and Samson's mother, both of them were told how to raise their child so that they could be great. Sometimes people think that there's no instruction manual for babies. There is. There is? Is there Absolutely. an instruction? Please, chapter and verse. It's, it's all, <laughs> all <laughs> there. It's given. All of this paper. You know, there is an instruction manual on how to raise children. There is an instruction manual on how to make this life work. The thing is, we got to read it. That's right. We've got to pay right. attention to it. My bad. <laughs> no, but as we wrap this up, there's two other women I want to focus on that um, kind of remind me of the two women I'm standing on stage with, and that's in Second Timothy, where um, if I can directly quote it, it's Second Timothy one five, and it says Paul is writing to him. He says, "I remember your genuine faith, for you share faith that was first filled in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and." I know that the same faith continues strong in you. And so I think that, you know, as, you know, the Timothy of us right now, <laughs> I think that is just so cool that, and to see the generational influence of faith, even my, my yaya over there, I know that I have incredible women in my life who have led me, and I know that all of us do, spiritual mothers, mothers, grandmothers, who have just led us to be who we are today. And without them, who would we be, right? So there's another thing that because of his faith, Timothy learns from, from Paul as well, which is don't look down, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And so we're going to look at this video of this kid. Don't look down on him because he's got some wise words. We all, know, we all know Moses, but the Bible is very clear that Moses' calling did not start with Moses. It started with his parents. <clears throat> And it first highlights the faith of Moses' parents as the ground for Moses' calling. Parents, never underestimate your commitment, your faithfulness to God. Because even if you will not go to great places, you create a platform for your children to be used by God. That's why Paul said to Timothy, he says, the faith that is in you, it didn't originate in you. It was in your mama. In fact, it started with your grandma. And the reason why you are Timothy today is because somebody laid a foundation. Because if you are paying the price and not seeing results, that means somebody else will reap the benefit. But if you did not pay the price and you're reaping results, that means somebody else paid the price, never saw the fruit, and now you are reaping that fruit. That reminds those of us in here today who our parents your children will carry your spiritual passions what you do in moderation they will do in excess what you do in moderation they will do in excess we had to share that kid because man i couldn't say it better your kids will carry your spiritual passions what you carry was given down through people praying 
My husband is who he is because his mom kept building and praying for my opportunities for God to do those things. Our kids can also carry in excess our sins if we're not careful. And we have to take and say, I will allow God's word, his guidelines, his story, to be the thing that I set before my kids. The platform I set before grandchildren or, or great-grandchildren I may never know. Our influence is huge. And so today, um, you know, we use the Bible to teach us the truth of the word. We talked about that. We, t- we talked about how we must recognize what our children can be and help them get there by God's way. We must be a person of prayer and influence so that we lead effectively the best way. It's easy. It's in front of us. We make it so hard whenever we try to toss it out and we do it on our own. And I will be a relentless mother, a relentless person for the promises of God over my spiritual kids, my biological kids, and all those within and around me. For their salvation and their future, for their healings. For their mates. For their mates, for everything, yes. We prayed over our, our, my, my spouse was prayed for from the moment my mom knew I had a heartbeat. And we've continued that with all of our nieces and nephews and grandkids. And, and I don't have grandkids yet, but all those, all those. And I do that over my spiritual kids, too. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.